This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD kids, which really should stand for kids, tweens, teens, and young adults, uh, why they resist help. And with us in our virtual studio is uh, uh, Caroline McGuire, one of our favorite interviews, sometimes co-host, sometimes guest host. Uh, we're going to get into our topic tonight that... Um, I, I think it's going to be a fun, fun topic, but uh, real quick, uh, we're very grateful for uh, uh, children, and adults with temp- children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for supporting our show in celebra- celebration of that event. We are anxious to give away free copies, digital copies of Attention Magazine. In order to get yours, all you have to do is listen for our secret word um, that we're going to give out through the show a couple times. You write it down, then listen to another show. Listen for the secret word. Write that down, then send me an email at address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com and when I get it I'll forward it to, to uh, Chad and they will send you a current PDF copy of Attention Magazine and a PDF copy of the next one that's in print. Again two secret words just in an email to me at attention at attentiontalkradio.com um, It's not too early to start planning for the uh, annual international conference on ADHD. Uh, this is the 2020 version. This year it's going to be November 5th to the 7th in Dallas, Texas. Um, it promises to be a great event. Um, i just let you guys know uh, we will be doing a promotional show end of September, beginning of October with some of the keynotes, and uh, this, they're spectacular this year, I might add. Um, mark it down on your calendar. Go check out the website at chadd.org to learn more. Um, Chad also has a little tip that we're going to share with you, and we'll get into the show. So we'll roll the tape and get into things. So here we go. Staying focused and organized when you're working from home may be a problem for some people with ADHD. Consider managing yourself with a daily to-do list. Make sure you focus on specific actions you can take rather than vague ideas. For instance, send budget report to the boss or call Jim at 1 p.m. is likely to get done because all you have to do is read the item and you'll know what to do. For more tips and suggestions, visit chad.org. Thanks again, Chad, for your support and that tip. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Um, they're the ones that speak on Capitol Hill um, as for our community on our behalf um, or different regulatory agencies. So as we say, a, a, a strong Chad is a strong community. We encourage our listeners to become members and or to donate to Chad uh, so that they're financially sound. Um, if you do become a member, there's lots of great member benefits. You can learn about that more at the website at chadd.org. Um, okay, so let's get into our topic tonight because I think this is probably a, one of those topics that are drawing in an awful lot of people. Um, real quickly, with us in our virtual studio is the Caroline McGuire. Yes, she's been on the show before as a guest. She's actually been my co-host at different times, and there was a period of time she was actually guest hosting for me, which was uh, I was very grateful for. Uh, she has a book out um, right now, Big Deal, Why Will No One Play With Me?, um, Basically, it's it's a great it's a great book for all parents. Uh, we've covered some different topics related to some of that stuff before. Uh, she's a certif- certified as a personal coach for children with ADHD and their families. 
revolutionary coaching program teaches executive functioning skills to children, teenagers, and young adults. She's a speaker at worldwide venues and is a frequent resource for publications such as NPR, Parade Mind Body, uh, Green, U.S. World News Report, Huffington Post, Attitude Magazine, Attention Magazine, and WebMD. Formerly, she worked with the in the Hollowell Center in Sudbury, Massachusetts, and she's co-led a social skills group and consulted for local schools. She can be found on her website at carolinemaguireauthor.com. With all that, Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. Oh, love to have it. So this the topic is why do kids, tweens, teens, and young adults resist getting help? We can do this like in 30 seconds, right? Like answer is blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, the answer is so complicated, and and I always encourage parents, first off, to ask your kid. Just ask them, you know, I've noticed you're resisting help. What's up with that? Because the answer is complex, but I will say one of my first things is to quote our good friend, Dr. Russell Barkley. He Mm -hmm. has this quote where he says, if you don't have any future thinking, then you don't know that you need to set a goal. And There are many reasons we're going to talk about why kids resist help, but one of the things I think is that they don't have the future thinking and sense of time to understand the urgency you as a parent are feeling. In other words, the math test is far away. The the need to pick up their grades because there's only a couple more in their college semester, it doesn't feel as urgent to them because they don't see the future and think about time. So I think that impacts them because many times I'll ask kids, why does mom feel so urgent about this? And they're like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, I always say you can't make this stuff up. So, I, I mean, that I think is a part of it, Jeff, is like I as a parent am forecasting that it is 9 a.m. now on a Saturday, and by 5 p.m. you have to turn in X, and that's not that long, Right. But they don't, they don't feel that urgency. So when I say, hey, what if you reach out to Mrs. So-and-so, they, they resist. I, I think it's just one component, but it is a component. Yep. So I want to pause here for a second and just kind of unpack this just a little bit. We've done a lot of shows on working memory, and we've actually done a show with Dr. Barkley on working memory specifically. And when we're talking about seeing the future, remember that when you're in an experience – and you have a memory, it's not stored as a packet in your brain somewhere. It's parted out and spread it out all over your brain. And then when you recall it, you reassemble all those pieces together, and typically you miss parts, so it's never quite like as you remember it. Projecting the future, in a way, is like taking your past and doing your best guess at simulating the future. And think of it as as mental imagery, is begin to picture the future. And those with ADHD have a tax-working memory, and they have a very difficult time projecting and simulating the future. And if you're a kid, you don't have as much of the past to kind of to do. And when you go through this exercise, because it's so challenging to be able to assemble that picture or moving picture in your mind, it's so much work that they have a self-regulation problem, it's easier really not to do it. So for, for, for our adults out there that maybe have listened to our other things, I just really wanted to tie this back. It's really much, very much a working memory issue to be able to simulate and forecast the future, which is a bit of a challenge. And we know those with ADHD, as kids, you discount their age by 20 or 25%. So if you've got a 14-year-old, you're dealing with the, the ability to simulate the future of like 11-year-old. And so, again, 
spot on with with Caroline. Just kind of reinforce that. So is that, does that make are you okay with that, Caroline? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And and I think that you know one of the questions parents can ask their child is you know when you thought about X, a project, whatever in the future. Did you picture yourself doing that activity? Do you visualize it? Because some kids will say, well, no, I don't do that with, you know, I don't do that with my schoolwork, but I do it with sports or I do it with my video games. Okay. And, and I literally have said to kids, you're supposed to do that with everything. And <laughs> it's like they don't, they don't think. And that goes back to the maturity factor. It goes back to their um, self-awareness factors. Right? There are many times when also the thing you're fighting that, that dovetails into this memory and future thinking, Jeff, is they don't recognize their role because of self-monitoring limitations, because of self-awareness you know, and immaturity. You are thinking your role, dude, at age 17 is to come home and do your schoolwork and take out the trash and not fight me on everything. But they are not as self-aware as to look around their world and say, wow, you know, this is my role. This is my, my job. This mm-hmm. is what I need to do. They don't mm-hmm. have that, that sense of things. So mm-hmm. literally, there's a disconnect, too. This is, this, this is why this becomes kind of a social issue, because it, it, there's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. So I, I like <laughs> – you know, such a coaching type thing is you, you, you try to take a look at what they can do and where they do do those things and identify that and say, well, you're, you do that for, for computer games. You're supposed to do that for everything, really to kind of give them what's going on. And, you know, Caroline, we haven't, we haven't been on the show for a while, but I will tell you that one of the things that I've learned uh, really over the last couple of years about procrastination is ambiguity is like it's most procrastination. There's some form of ambiguity in there. If you don't know what you do, you don't really know how to do it. It's a little bit easier to go do something else. So if they don't recognize they need to do it, that's, that's, that's one issue. The other thing too, is they're all about how they feel right now. It's in the now and it doesn't feel very good maybe to go do something, which really makes it very difficult because actually it feels better to do what they're doing right now as opposed to do something that's more painful. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And also, you know, again, time horizons, right? So that would be painful, and I have all day. And then Mm -hmm. there's lack of self-awareness, right? Um, We are easy to blame as parents, right? It's so easy to say, you know, my parents nag. Oh, they're all over me. They're too hyper about this. Rather than saying and and really having the executive function and the self-awareness to say, geez, I'm not great with time, so maybe I should think about getting advice. You know, yep. there's just that self, self-awareness self piece is not there. Absolutely. I tell you what, we, this is a really good spot for us to take a like a little pause here and run to a break and come back and, and kind of pick up where we left off. Uh, for those listening tonight, our secret word tonight is why, W-H-Y. And again, you want to check out Caroline's uh, website by going to Caroline McGuire Author. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer. Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents and Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. 
Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by GigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Caroline McGuire, and before the break, we're talking about why don't kids want help, and I think she did a spectacular job just really talking about um, – referring to Dr. Bobby, no sense of the future, and we, I, I kind of jumped in and talked about the role working memory plays and so we can understand what's going on. So there's, there's a big why to this. It really makes all the sense in the world. If you can't see the future, you, you're not tapped in the future, you get to that. There's two kinds of time for people with ADHD. There's now and there's not now, and we're talking about not now. Um, which is a real challenge for them. So this is a real issue for parents um, in dealing with it. Um, as somebody who works with this all day, how do you, what kind of mindset and what, what are your thoughts on trying to help parents work with this? I think mindset is the perfect word, Jeff, because the other reason I think kids resist help is that um, they have these stories they've told themselves. Um, the ones I've heard in the past week include, um, I should be able to do this on my own. Um, sort of a, the grass is always greener. Like other people don't have to work on this, which is not true. A lot, I mean, there's how many books dedicated to time management? Thousands, not just for ADD people, right? So yep. it is a thing. Um, and then I, I think there's just this, un, this lack of knowledge about like how, what you, you, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable. You know, sometimes you have to do stuff that is, is not comfortable in order to grow, and that's a mindset thing and a maturity thing, right, where there's, there's a lack of maturity. One of my all-time favorite moments was when I was working with a college student, and um, this person had been to several colleges, and some of you listening can relate to this, where you've paid tuition and then they, they, they aren't successful. And, you know, this young woman said to her mother, I'm going to do everything it takes to stay. So the parents let her stay. And then her parents were very clear with me. They felt she was not doing everything it took. And so we had this conversation, all of us together. And her parents were, like, so fit to be tied because she wouldn't go for extra help. She wouldn't go to the coaching center, all this stuff. And she still kept saying during the conversation, I'm doing everything it takes. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to, like, vault over the table. But the point is that – when I sort of put it to her,
her, like, what is everything it takes and, you know, the extra help, there was this big disconnect of, you know, why, why, why would I get extra help? And what is my role? And I have all these stories in my mind about why they won't understand me and it won't be helpful. And it it was a huge factor here um, that coupled with that future thinking and all those other things we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So as I'm listening to you, it's interesting because I'm, I'm having a little bit of an aha now because there's two sides of this. One is the resistance. Like, I just don't want help. And then there's the two, if you do, where do you go with that? And I think a lot of we're dealing with a little bit of the resistance here by sometimes by, – and by the way, this is just my opinion. I'm not so sure it's right. I'd be interested in your comments is that when kids hit – when they hit puberty, wherever that is – Biologically, they're supposed to be starting to separate from their parents and become a little bit more independent. And it's that classic thing where, the, you know, whatever mom and dad says, that's not right. So they certainly don't want to go for you for help. I will say I remember being an a, a adult scout leader, high adventure, and the kids would show up, the 13, 14, and mom and dad would be nagging. like, listen, just leave, hang on, back off. Because I, what, in my mind, I can say something. And the kid will listen to me, and parents could say the same thing, and they're not just because of the parents. So there's a little bit of like this separation thing that's kind of taking place. But it is difficult to get kids if they have that resistance to it because if we can get the resistance down, we can really begin to help them. The getting that is a lot of times just meeting them where you are. So I've, I've said a lot of things that were my opinion, but you're the expert. Can you share your thoughts on that and, and, and correct yeah. me if I need it? Yeah, I think there is another factor here that you're touching on, which is the push-pull. Um, which is sometimes kids will tell me, and I mean six-year-olds and and 16-year-olds and 26-year-olds, they are resisting simply because the dynamic with their parents has become such that they're not going to take their advice. They're angry with their parents about some aspect of the approach. I'm not saying they're always justified because um, it is a frustrating situation for parents. I'm just telling you what they tell me. Um, or they, they, you know, they're kind of dogmatically, I'm going to do this on my own. My parents don't know anything and all of that. And so that push-pull aspect is actually one of the biggest explanations. You know, I am not going to do this. And, and, it's, and it, it doesn't serve them, but it's still there. Yeah, well, it's more <clears> – <throat> More and more I look at emotions as a reflective reaction, and that push-pull, you said it's not maybe necessarily justified, but if that's their emotional state at that point in time, you got to play the ball as it lies, and as they say in golf, and you have to acknowledge that. And and just to continue that just really doesn't make, make a lot of sense. You actually kind of have to begin to relax, accept them, receive them in order to get over that, because if not, you're just going to make it worse. At least that's my thought. Is that making sense? Yeah, I mean, I think it it is the fact. The fact is whether or not these things are baffling and infuriating, that is their emotional state. That is their mindset. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times this stuff does not make logical sense. But I always say to parents, try to remember things when you were a teenager and, and moments when you probably even argued when you knew there was no purpose. <laughs> that's, yep. that's the kids we're talking about. So, yeah, it, it doesn't matter whether it's logical. It really matters that it is. is. Yeah. So I want to go to break again in a second. I want to come back and talk about the notion of 
sometimes we think our kids should do something and it really comes down to motivation. And to me, motivation isn't what you should do. It's what you actually do. And I, I give you a case in point. I've got one of my kids. I was been trying to get him to take care of his car and take care of some stuff. And it would really never, ever, ever happen. And I was trying to, you know, help him learn, understand this, like also to help him manage money or seek that stuff out. And it was really, really pretty funny because it was, it was, I was probably getting into that push pull dynamic that was making a hell of a lot worse. And then all of a sudden he got a girlfriend and things changed. So we'll come back for a break here in just a second on this. Um, for those listening, our secret word again is why, uh, W H Y and, uh, Caroline McGuire's website is Caroline McGuire, M-A-G-U-I-R-E, author.com. With that, we'll be right back in these, after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Caroline McGuire, just having a, a conversation about uh, kids, tweens, teens, and young adults, why uh, they resist help. It's um, been a real helpful conversation because we're really unearthing some really issues out there, uh, some working memories issues, uh, self-regulation, really, all that really manifests the the way it manifests is they have a difficulty seeing the future and their now is their now. Um, we're also talking about, you know, the stories that tell themselves and some of the resistance. And before the break, I was just kind of talking um, simply about sometimes it's really about the world kind of curving to them. Like my son really not wanting help. And all of a sudden he gets a girlfriend and needs help. Uh, then, then he asks for only on those particular issues and really nothing else. So some of this stuff is situational uh, from my perspective, but again, Caroline, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, because you, you you deal with this every day a lot more than I do. Well, I mean, the other factor here, too, is that um, is this a problem for them? So you and I were talking about this the other day, and, and the thing is that sometimes we are thinking as parents of the future and the future yes. that they need to have and the life skills they need to have, and that's part of our urgency and panic. But they're not thinking about that. And they have their video games, maybe they have a car, you threaten the gas, but you still fill it up anyway, 
And and so they have. It isn't a problem for them. I've even had little kids turn to me and say that they miss the bus every day, and I'll say, "Well, isn't this a problem?" And they'll say, "Not really. My mom enjoys driving me." (laughs) 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 No, she does not. She is here seeking my help because she does not enjoy driving you to school every day. But. It is, you know, they are not necessarily uncomfortable enough, and they may not see this as a problem. And sometimes they have made up a whole story about what will, you know, be the solution. And it could be completely crazy, but that's their perspective. Uh-huh. You know, the more we're having this this conversation, I'm, I'm having a flashback. You remember that that, that old game? Battleship, where you've got, <laughs> yeah. you're laughing. You know what I'm talking about. And for the millennials out there, who there should be this like board game thing where you you a battleship down and you can't see your opponents, and literally you're just guessing um, at different coordinates to put your your pins in until you you hit the other person's battleship, and then you it gives you a clue in that area. And, and as we're doing this, and I'm thinking about it, I feel like trying to get your kids to want help or to get it, if you will, it's like this game of battleship. You. Your best guess, you just take a couple guesses at probabilities from the experts, and then you keep changing your strategy and play around until all of a sudden you get lucky, and then you know you're close to something, and then you do really kind of focus in on a lot of that. But but at the end of the day, as, as, as crazy as this metaphor sounds, working with kids is a lot like that. I mean, there's it's an art, not necessarily a science, at least from my perspective. Is that uh, – thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it is an art, and sometimes what – what I do is I start asking questions, and I talk about this a lot on my website. If you go to my website, using the questions that are open, which is how Jeff and I are trained as coaches, to just ask, you know, you know, you know, what's the problem here? What, you know, what makes mom and dad feel so urgent about this? Or, you know, I'm, I'm confused because you're telling me you'll do anything it takes. You know, what action steps are you taking? And as I ask these questions in a very calm, not interrogating manner, all this stuff starts coming out. And some of the stuff that comes out is, you know, either this isn't a problem and it's going to be fine and you all are just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, or, you know, I know it's a problem, I know this doesn't serve me, but I'm not going to give in to their way of being. You know, it can be anything. And it's, it's sometimes it's like like we're laughing now. I laugh every day with these kids because I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. That, now I, I, I'm having a, a, the Art Link letter flashback. The kids say the darndest things. You know, <laughs> if you really listen to them, it's pretty funny. It is pretty funny, and I think you know there is a degree to which um, the more parents can have a more collaborative conversation, the more they can get to the bottom of this, um, because this is also, as parents who are listening know, it's a life skill issue. You have to be able and willing to get help. Um, So that's why we're so hyped up about it as parents. And by the way, if you as a parent don't get help for anything, if you're super proud that you're going to put that, you know, trampoline together without ever calling the 800 number, even when it, you know, takes days, that's the first thing to change because they see that, and and that's their model. Yeah, and so, I'm, I, we can agree to disagree. Maybe I don't really know, but one of the things that I've learned over the years, uh, just in dealing in this space, is you said a collaborative conversation, 
And at the root of any conversation is actually listening, Mm. listening. And from my perspective, most of the parents, when we're saying have a collaborative conversation, they buy in, but what they lack is the ability to listen to their kid. They keep wanting it to be the way they think it is, and they don't actually stop and listen to where the kid is coming from. And in that moment, the parents are resisting help. What do you think of that? I I think it's true. I think it's very, you know, I've said this to a lot of families over the years. If you've had the same argument, stop having that argument, right? Because what ends up happening is that parents are so mad and kid is so mad that nobody listens to each other and you end up not learning anything. So it is the hardest thing you'll ever do. I'm not delusional. I know this. Yeah. I'm saying what she said. I'm just refraining a little bit differently. If you're having the same conversation over and over, I find a lot of times parents are trying to get their kids to get it. They're not getting it. And in that moment, if they're not getting it, I'm arguing the parents aren't getting it because they keep trying to do the same thing over and over, and it's the definition of insanity. They need to let go because they're missing something or listening something, or they've got to go around a different way, and they tend to resist that, and sometimes they need help. Um, with skills to learn how to listen and kind of go what's on. You know, you're, you're alluding to some things where you're talking to kids and trying to find out what their nerve and the story is, and that's a listening skill. And so, again, if you're having, if you're a parent and you're if you're ending up the same place over and over and over, I'm not so sure the kids not getting. I'm not so sure you're not getting. That's when you call up somebody like Caroline. They kind of help you with some of that stuff, so you can like learn different strategies because at the core of of, of those things is listening. Now, again, I expanded upon that, and I didn't really want to do it, but just want to reiterate, if you keep having that conversation over, you might not be listening as a parent. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think the fact is, too, remember, I'm not their parent, so it's easier for me. And and so and, and I am not delusional about that, and I hate it when professionals really don't get it, you know. Yes, it is, it is easier for me to be objective, but I will also tell you that I am a mother of two non-neurotypical children, and being a little more detached and actually listening and using those open questions, it really does work, and you don't always know why they're doing something. Parents call me up over the past 15 years and tell me, I know exactly why he resists help, I know exactly why she resists help, And nine times out of ten, when I have a conversation, it's nothing any of us could have guessed. You have to get the kid perspective. You do. And you have to listen to them. So I want to kind of pull this thing together, (laughs) but I think a lot of people, you know, came to this show listening for that secret answer, that trick that, hey, if I just do this, all my problems will be solved. Caroline, at the end of the day, my perspective on this is that the development so they have with ADHD, they have the imagery problem with self-regulation. So you got the biological thing that are there. Uh, sometimes they're just resisting it because you're the parents. Um, sometimes they just don't want to help. They, as a kid, I just don't want to need help. I want to be it. I want to get it all. And other times it's we're not listening to them. And at the end of the day, I think this is just really hard. And I don't really want to minimize it for parents. It is hard. There's no simple solutions. That doesn't mean you shouldn't give up. And that there's not hope, but just you need to realize is that you, you, you got to take a couple deep breaths. The more emotional you get over here and the harder you try, usually you're making it worse for yourself. Because when you're pressing these kids 
and you feel that, that emotion well up on you, you actually now have an emotional self-regulation problem that you need to down-regulate and manage like your kid needs to, to self-regulate. And if you begin to focus in on yourself first, you've got to take care of the mask on yourself first and then kind of go back and sometimes relax and go about things differently, listening skills, et cetera. There's other resources on that. But at the end of the day, it is a lot about listening to your kid's perspective and being intelligent. So you want to Thoughts on that? Does that make some sense? Any Anything else you'd like to add, correct, et cetera? Yeah, no, what I would say, too, is um, you have the rest of your life as this kid's parent. So the more you can learn to sit down and have a more um, collaborative conversation, the more you can use this for any problem you face. And I think one of the other things is it is okay to simply ask them, why they resist help, and also to tell them your concerns, not trying to convince them of your perspective, but to say very calmly, like, I know we talk about this too much, you know, and don't even go into the history and all that. Just say, you know, I am so concerned. So, and then ask them questions. And by the way, it should not be a four-hour conversation. Quick conversation and then you know, let them go if they are not oh. talkers. <laughs> for people who've listened to this show for forever, I, I, my mom, she, she has this thing, the more you lecture a kid, the more they're in control of the conversation because it's demonstrating your willingness to negotiate. In other words, the longer you talk, the more they're manipulating you. And it's, it's counterintuitive because it feels good, but they're not going to get it. But the more you drone on, the less control you have of that conversation. And so it's a small little insight that's it's kind of when you think about it, it really makes a lot of sense. Emotionally in the moment, it's really hard for you to stop. But I'm sharing that with your parents because if you put that in the back of your mind, that might be able to help you stop lecturing and preaching. Again, the more you do it, the more they're in control. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And also, think about step into their shoes. Do you want to be talked up for four hours by your spouse or partner yep. or boss or something? You know, no. And we know this. The issue really is that this is so charged with emotion that in the moment it's really hard. Um, other sure. advice I have, Jeff, is if you have a cousin, an uncle, a friend of the family, who can have these conversations, enlist them. Because a lot of times they are able to be more detached and get a lot of in information and influence. Yep. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I've seen not every coach, not every scout master is capable of these, not every friend, but if you get the right one, coming from somebody else can be really helpful. So with all that, Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Everyone, go check out Caroline's website, carolinemaguireauthor.com. Our secret word tonight is Y-W-H-Y. Hope you've enjoyed this edition. Catch us next week. Take care.